strangers, welcome to Iroh's Corner, a space where we agree with Uncle Iroh that sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. Today I'm joined by Charity Chalmers, the founder and owner of Charities. Did you hear that? Charities? Such an awesome name. I first was introduced to Charities at the shop in Sandy, Oregon that she used to have and then got more tea every year at T-Fest PDX. Every time I had the chance to talk to Charity at T-Fest, it was always interesting to hear about her latest travels and journey with tea. So I was so excited when she agreed to come on the podcast and share more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Cast today, Charity. So excited to have you. Great to be here and talk with you all today and enjoy this podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Well, can you start out by telling us a little bit about Charities. So Charities began in about 2006 as a corporate gift company and then made the transition oh, into a brick and mortar in about 2008. And has that's how it began. And we've continued to do selling of tea all throughout. And Currently, we're focusing on our online and wholesale. Awesome. Before we get in too deep, is there anything coming up this year that people should know about? And then where should people follow you and also also try some tea? Mostly online. You can follow us at Charities LLC on Instagram or Charities on Facebook. Okay. And then we have, we're at the Gresham Farmers Market if you're in, in the local Portland, Oregon area. And then we're still looking for other events, but I mean, right now it seems like everything's pretty low key for the rest of the year. So yeah, we're just going to keep the low keyness, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's great. Well, I'd love to dig in more to kind of the the longer story of charities. So you used to have, you also used to have a brick and mortar location. And then you mentioned getting started in corporate gifting. So what were kind of, what's the flow been and what did the different transitions look like? And then eventually charities went all online. So I'd love to hear about those different pieces of how it evolved. So the beginning was the corporate gift. It was just a very small project just to kind of launch into the tea business. I think I had every intention of going into a brick and mortar at that point. So it was just a, it just was a small kind of get my feet wet kind of thing Mm -hmm. into the business before figuring out if I really wanted to do the tea business, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I decided that was something that I did enjoy. So the tea business, so then I started my brick and mortar and that had like a cafe and tea room kind of atmosphere with a gift shop selling teaware and loose leaf tea. Mm-hmm. Our major product was our unlimited free refill teapots. So we had teapot to share for two people or we had a individual teapot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over time you realize maybe unlimited free is not great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great for the customer and great initially, but then, you know, your, your people nurse tea a lot. You know, they tend to yeah. nurse the same tea. So, but yeah, that, I mean, we kept it, we kept that on for as long as we had the brick and mortar. So we got rid of the teapot to share and just focused on individual tea since most people wanted to have their own kind of tea. Mm-hmm. And then back in 2000, let's say about three or four years ago, we went online so that I could move overseas to start a tea garden. That was 
that was the major turning point of the transition from being brick and mortar to online. And then I moved overseas to the Philippines to work on starting the tea garden, which we have plants in the ground at the moment. So that's where that's kind of where I'm at right now. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great. So I'm curious with the start. So you mentioned the corporate gifting and then, you know, you you thought you wanted the location. What did those beginning pieces look like? Did you like did you plan in life to start a tea company or was there some moment that inspired you of like, I think I'm going to try this corporate gifting and then probably have a location? Was there anything leading up to that where you're like, I think I'm going to do this? Well, I I did hotel restaurant management in college. So my background is in the hospitality industry. And, you know, I wanted to do something in the field. I just didn't know when I graduated. I just didn't know which where to go once I graduated. Mm -hmm. There's people that have their lives all planned out when they graduate college. I was not that person. (laughs) So, and you know, I'm okay with that now. Back in the day, maybe not so much, but I'm okay with it now. And I, in Boston, I went to school in Boston and they had quite a, a few tea rooms there. And that's where I discovered tea and kind of learned to enjoy tea for, and different kinds of tea and different blends and things like that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what started the tea initially. Cool. And then what did it look like to really commit to it of starting your LLC, looking for a location? Like, was it complicated to take those first like formal steps or was it pretty, pretty easy? I don't think it was easy. You know, I I was in. So I after Boston, I moved to Philadelphia because that's Mm. where my sister went to college. And so I was there knowing I kind of wanted to do something with the tea, but then I didn't. I didn't think I wanted to stay in Philadelphia long term. So I didn't, I wasn't ready to, you know, have a tea room in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So after graduation, we moved back to Oregon at that point after my sister graduated. And that's when I kind of was like, well, this is a little bit more permanent. So I think it now is a good time. So I kind of looked for some place near to where I lived and then made an offer. I mean, this is 2008. So, uh, you know, it's kind of right before the the, the depression or whatever the recession mm-hmm. you want to yeah. call it back then. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought a property then and made a low offer on it because I knew if I paid for the asking price, I would be in trouble like with the whole property issues mm-hmm. of that time. And the lady is accepted it. <laughs> so that's how I got my physical location. Nice. Yeah. It was nice not to have to pay rent for a long time. I mean, you know, I had a mortgage, but I I didn't have to pay rent per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had the, that location, I, I went there when back years ago, I remember stopping on the way back from Mount Hood a couple times and it was mm-hmm. such a, such a cute little spot right off the, right off the road, really mm-hmm. lovely little place. That's awesome. You were able to to get it at a price that that worked to get started. Yes. I think on your pod, you have a podcast. And I think I remember a story about your first cup of tea in Boston. Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, I found a tea room in Harvard Square. It was called Tea Lux. I, I don't know if it's still there, but mm-hmm. they had several different kinds of tea. And the very first, one of the first ones I tried was like a s- strawberry lemon black tea, or it was a peach black peach black tea or something. One of those two. Mm-hmm. And I know that's very 
you know, that's what everybody kind of tries at the beginning because it sounds the best out of everything there. But that's where I kind of, I didn't know anything about tea at that point. You know, the Philippines doesn't really have tea. Mostly it has coffee, but learned to enjoy tea and learned how to brew it myself. I don't know if I was doing it correctly, but I learned how <laughs> to do it, how I liked it. So, and yeah, it was, it was very interesting to get into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I bet. What did it look like? Cause you have your own blends and everything. What did it look like to figure out? I'm drinking strawberry oolong right now. So like, how did you learn how to, to do the different blends and where to source the tea from? Like, it seems like a really steep learning curve to, to get into a tea business. Yeah. I mean, indeed, it is quite steep. The so fast forward a little bit because that was in two that was in the year two thousand or sometime between 90, 1998 and two thousand two. So you know, I spent a few years after two thousand. 2002 is when I graduated college. So I spent Mm -hmm. a few years after that kind of figuring out what to do in life. And tea was not part of it at that point. Mm -hmm. And then sometime before the 2008 Olympics, I went to China for the very first time Mm. and met someone in the tea industry there. So my friend in Philly had a, I don't know how she got it, but she was in, she was in the hospitality industry as well. And she had this a Euchre's Guide. Maybe it was from a library. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-mm. It's like a directory of of a lot of different kinds of things. I think it's like a Yellow Pages for tea. Oh, interesting. Uh, tea and coffee. And so I went to the, I knew I was going to go to China. So I went to the China one and then found somebody there. And I think I found an email address. Now, remember, email is just kind of going on the screen <laughs> right now, right? Uh-huh. It's like, early days. So I think I found an email address. So I emailed them and then they emailed me back. And that's how we kind that's how I sort of started ordering tea. Mm. And that tea that I ordered from that was a, you know, I had to order like 300 kilos of tea, which, you know, nowadays that might not sound like a lot, but back then I was like, what am I going to do with all this tea? Like, yeah. <laughs> <of> tea. <laughs> so that's when I did the corporate gift mm, okay. and found some clients to, I made tea out of my, try to figure out how to do it out of my home and try to put it in baskets. Kind of, that's how I, that's how it got started. Nice. That's awesome. Did you, as you were learning to blend, did you have a batch that was kind of a disaster or did you have any that you were like surprised, you know, maybe an accident that turned like a happy accident, you know, like Bob Ross kind of thing? What did some of those early, uh, you know, starting out look like? Man, I wish I was like Bob Ross, you know, <laughs> could, like paint pictures in like 20 minutes. Like, that was, <laughs> But um, yeah, there's always there's always teas that are not good when you blend. I, it's There's no escaping that, right? You mm-hmm. have you make several iterations of the same thing, like maybe just changing one ingredient at a time or one, you know, you'll have one blend. Let's say it's an oolong with roses and something else, lemon peel. I don't Mm -hmm. even know if that's any good, but you might have like, you'll take a hundred grams of roses, a hundred grams of equal parts of all three. Then on the next, you'll, I take like four or five different blends with just those three ingredients. Mm-hmm. And then from there, then I decide, well, this one, this one sort of has potential, but we need to add mint 
to it or something like that. Uh-huh. You have more full body. And then from there, you make a few more iterations and then you keep narrowing it down as you go. So you end up really wasting quite a bit of tea. I mean, not wasting, but you end up going through a lot of tea uh-huh. while you're trying to figure it out. And happy accidents. I don't know that I've <laughs> had really any because I blend with intention, so to speak. Uh-huh. So yeah. at the end of it, I always... I should be able to come out with something that is that works uh-huh. there have been times when i haven't where i've stopped be blending certain blends because it just like after a while after so many iterations and you can't figure out what it, what it is you just kind of have to i've just quit and say this isn't really working i gotta start again Uh But and I keep a log of everything. I mean, that's kind of the key thing is to log because at the end of the day, you won't remember. Did I put 25 grams of this yesterday? Did I put Uh 17? Like what exactly? You know, you won't remember all that when you have so many things, so many ingredients and blends you're working with. Right. Uh So you grew up in the Philippines and then you ended up moving back to the Philippines to start the tea garden. So I'm curious, like, you know, kind of what was it like to grow up in the Philippines? You mentioned that tea wasn't really a thing and then coming to the U.S. and then going back. I'm kind of curious about that that journey. Yeah. So I was here for college. That's when I left the Philippines the first time and then stayed here through college and then beyond um, maybe. So I was here for about 20 years. I think it's about 20 years and mm-hmm. then moved back to the Philippines. That's kind of the in years frame. The mm-hmm. towards the end of running a tea, the towards the end of the cafe, I knew I wanted to do something more than just work in a cafe every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something that do something with sort of like the roots that I grew up in. And the tea garden kind of thing came to be because I had some friends that had land in the southern part of the Philippines and were willing to do a, a joint venture kind of mm. thing. So that's how that kind of got started. The As far as my journey, I did want to move back to the Philippines eventually. Even po- when I graduated college, I knew that I wanted to move back to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know when or how or what the reason would be. You know, it's hard to go overseas without a without a plan uh-huh. and and without a without a job kind of thing i you know you can't just i mean it's fun to go travel for a while and you know travel the one road less traveled and be on vacation but this was not a move to be on vacation this was a move right. to work so so there was a lot more thought that had to go into like where was i going to live who was where was i you know this is an adult move right yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah so i'm just Thinking again back to starting and being so impressed. So you you lived in the grew up in the Philippines, then you moved to the US to go to school. And then a couple years after that, you start a company and purchase a property. Like, did you grow up seeing some of those skills of starting a company or was it all new to you and you just figured it out? Cause I just I think those are like, those are big things for someone just out of college to take on. And you seem to have navigated it and just done it. Yeah. I mean, my, I, I did see that growing up. My dad started his own business. So Mm -hmm. I learned from my parent, my dad and my family what to do, but you know, nothing can prepare you for owning your own business as much. (laughs) It's when you become the owner, the decisions all stop with you or start with you. And Mm -hmm. there are some days where you're like, uh, I don't want to make a decision today. Yeah. (laughs) 
But no, yeah, I grew up with that kind of uh, in mind. I mean, my parent, my dad started his own business. So that was kind of the model that I took. Okay, that's cool. That's still though, I mean, you know, figuring out how to purchase a property and everything that just that's a lot of different that's a lot of different pieces. So that's really cool that you that you had the courage to just do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I believe that you have traveled quite a bit. You mentioned going to, to China initially and making some connections. Where else have you traveled for either it can be for tea or not for tea? And yeah, I'm curious kind of some of the things you've learned in your travels. And if also if it did help you maybe source different teas and learn about different processes. So for tea, I've, I've been to about four or five countries for tea alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more countries just because well when you live in the philippines like so you're we went on baseball tournament from our school you don't just travel within the philippines you visit other leagues in other countries mm-hmm. that's kind of the like i know it's a little bit it's different but that's sort of it it takes me like three hours to go to indonesia mm-hmm. from the philippines or okay. two hours to hong kong or three hours to vietnam it's it would be like you traveling across the country to go to some sports league or something like that right. in high school so that's kind of how traveling occurred when you when i was younger mm-hmm but I've been to many countries in Southeast Asia, but four or five for tea. And then I've met many different people all in all parts of the tea industry, from the pluckers all the way to the owners of the tea estate or tea gardens, mm-hmm. you know, and you heard their stories, listen to them. It's that's kind of what intrigues me the most is learning about people's stories and what where they came from, what why they're doing what they're doing now, mm-hmm. what 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 gets them, what you know, learning learning about their culture that's kind of important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there one of those stories that you could elaborate on where you place that you visited and the story that you heard was just so intriguing and interesting and or, you know, left you inspired? Do you have any stories that pop up to mind? They all kind of blend together. <laughs> I think it was I mean, I was in one town in China and, you know, you also have language barriers. So it's sometimes you communicate based on maybe what's famous in the country that like what's famous in my country or in the U.S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the Philippines or whatever. So I think we were just sitting around drinking tea and they were like, they didn't know what to ask other than to say, what's your favorite Hollywood actor? <laughs> so got, the level of the conversation got reduced to Hollywood mm-hmm. and actors and actresses. And I think it was, it wasn't Kevin Bacon, but it was... Uh, Who's the guy in the the castle movie? Uh, not the castle. Get his name. He looks kind of like Kevin Bacon, but he's not. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to act, ask about actors. I'm I'm out of the loop <laughs> right now. But it was someone famous at the time, mm-hmm. and so th- they kept saying they kept wanting to go back to that because that's what they knew to talk about and what. And I could understand, we could understand. It was kind of funny. It was not tea related at all, but, you know, Mm -hmm. learned something new about them and they learned about us. So, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Now, when you, when you traveled with the language barrier, did you, did you go on your own or did you have sometimes have someone to translate with you or did you learn pieces of the language? I'm curious how you navigated. Um, So, Okay, so first we had, there was no Google Translate, too, when I was (laughs) doing all this 
traveling. Now there's a lot of Google Translate. So you can, you know, talk a sentence in English into your phone and then it translated to Chinese. Now that's a different thing. That's another barrier because you don't know which, you don't know if it's translating your intention. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I w- always had someone go with me and they weren't necessarily a translator. And my, a lot of the times I, my cousin went with me and he had a he had this gift of languages. He could just pick up a language in like half an hour. Like, wow. He we travel around with a dictionary, <laughs> like a Chinese <laughs> English dictionary or uh-huh. a Korean to English dictionary, wherever we went, right? The country. And then I would try to tell him like, oh, what's a tea tray? Like, can you help me find tea tray in there? Uh-huh. So, you know, that's kind of how the rudimentary way of how we went about it. <laughs> Self-translate. Wow. Do you think that because So it's interesting you mentioned growing up in the Philippines and that traveling to different countries really wasn't as maybe, you know, like in the U.S. where we maybe don't do that as part of just a normal high school or whatever experience. Do you think that helped you with, you know, getting into tea? You're just like, well, I'll just go to the country and talk to people. It seems like maybe that gave you a different level of confidence or courage to just go places. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was... It wasn't necessarily tea that we traveled for back then, but yeah, I think it gave a confidence in a, you know, it wasn't very far. I didn't think it was any, I just thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a weird way to say it. Hopefully that doesn't come across as like too privileged or something like that or whatever. I don't yeah, know. no, that makes sense. If you, in your younger years traveled and went to different countries, then yeah, maybe it, it doesn't seem as, as crazy to be like, well, I'm going to China or Korea to to do this thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, like here in the U.S., they do have these sports leagues and, you know, the like you go to regionals, nationals mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So there is opportunity, I think, within the United States for people to travel. But it would be, you know, like my cousins went for debate to D.C. for something. So mm-hmm. they, traveled, they traveled three hours across country or four hours across country. So it's similar. Like I didn't travel across America. I just traveled to another country. Right. Yeah, that's super interesting. So going back to charities, when you had your you had your own location, what did it kind of look like to grow of? Did you have to hire people to work at the at the cafe? And then like even now, like, do you have someone that helps fulfill orders? Or what does it look like to kind of have help along the way to to run charities? I hired my first employee probably a, a month or so into the opening the business, mm-hmm. because, you know, just for it was mostly I was mostly there all the time, like, and then I'd have this person and come in for like the lunch rush Uh to help me through that. And then they would leave and I would still be there. And then over time, I kind of worked myself like I would keep hiring to take over hours that I thought, you know, okay, I can afford an employee here. Uh-huh. But it was a gradual like turning things over because there was a lot of training involved. And I guess that was probably one of the hardest parts was training employees and figuring out where they best fit and how they interact with each other and which ones worked better with which two employees worked better together. Mm-hmm. You know, that was always a challenge and keeping that going. Yeah. 
And I had to have employees that I trusted because I was gone quite a bit traveling to these mm. tea growing regions. So, right, you know, I'd go, I'd leave and I'd be gone for three weeks or a month at a time. And I needed somebody that I could trust 100% while I was gone. Yeah, that's a different level of trust than just, you know, being nearby and having an employee work the lunch shift than when you're in another country. Mm-hmm. And you don't have, we didn't have all the tools that you have now to communicate. Mm-hmm. Email was mostly the way I would communicate, but you know, I now you can do. There's a whole host of things you can do to communicate with people and keep up and be in real time and all that stuff. So yeah, did the first time that you traveled and had employees left, did were you pretty stressed at the beginning? Like, oh my word, like is this my tea shop even going to be there when I get back? What's happening? Was it stressful to kind of like, you know, leave your your shop in someone else's hands that first time or maybe every time? You know, maybe I was too innocent at the time. I was like, yeah, everyone's trustworthy. I'm okay. <laughs> like, I don't honestly, I don't really remember if how nervous I was or not at the time. I'm sure there was some, but yeah, I just don't really remember that part. Well, hopefully that means that, you know, you weren't too traumatizingly worried, maybe. <laughs> Just roll with nice to leave. Just to go to just get a break and you know, I would when I would leave, I would come back to the Philippines for a few days and kind of get some be with my parents who still live there and then mm-hmm. I was able to unwind a little bit sometimes. Yeah. So it was it was it was nice. Yeah. And do you have employees now still that help with the online store? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have two employees that are good right now. Cool. And I'm curious about so I've had the opportunity to meet you a couple times at T-Fest PDX. I particularly remember I had, I think I'd stopped by the shop in Sandy and then this was like a couple years after that and I had been trying to find the strawberry and rhubarb oolongs and you were like, I don't have them here, but I'll take a, I'll take the money now and I'll ship them to you in a week. And I remember just thinking like, that was such a sweet thing to do to, you know, you're busy at the, at the booth and then you're like, Hey, I don't have the tea you want, but I'm going to mail it to you. And here you go. And I remember getting it the mail and being so excited because I'd just been wanting more of that tea for, for so long. So that was a, that was a fun memory, but yeah, I'm wondering what it looked like to go to shows and events like T-Fest PDX. Did you, did that become a regular thing that you participated in? Did employees participate in it? I'm curious what that looked like. We did, um, so we did two tea festivals. We did the Portland Tea Festival and then we did the Northwest Tea Festival. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I could have joined the Northwest Tea Festival sooner, but it was always on my birthday weekend and I didn't like the idea of working <laughs> on my birthday weekend. Birthday. Yeah. It was always like the first week of October and I just I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we eventually joined it once it, we became once there was no more cafe and then mm-hmm. and then. I think we were there three years and then last year's was canceled. Right. So I went to that festival in Seattle twice out of the three years. Okay. And so one year I just sent employees and I was overseas at the time. And then the Portland Tea Festival, I I was there for both of them. Uh-huh. Generally, I'm... I was in Oregon during the summer, during that July month. Uh, so I was able oh, okay. to attend that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So did I answer the question? Yeah, no, I, no, that's great. I was just going to add as a, uh, ask as a follow-up, like, did you find those events as like good exposure for, for the online 
company? Like, did you kind of see effects from those different festivals? Yeah, there were effects kind of right near after it, you Mm -hmm. know, like within a month or so people that didn't buy what they wanted to buy at the event. And so they found us online. And then there were some that would, you know, buy stuff there. And then a few months later, do reorders. They were good. They were good exposures. Yeah, that's cool. How else have you marketed the probably I would guess you had some customers that carried over from the the shop to online because they knew you. But how have you advertised or spread the word about about the online business? Mostly through Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. We have some, you know, customers that carried over from the brick and mortar days, the customers at the events. Mm-hmm. And then we've had some advert, uh, like some people writing up articles about us, like on various blogs, newspaper, uh, not newspapers, uh, magazines, mm-hmm. or what else? Online portals, you know, like we've been in a few gift guides that mm-hmm. have been posted by various bloggers, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know if everybody's called a blogger this, these days or yeah. that has a <laughs> website. I don't know what they're called. I don't either. <laughs> Blogger sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Do you have a favorite? Well, you don't maybe have to choose one favorite, do you, but do you have a couple favorite blends that you've created at charities that are kind of your your go to? I actually like the single origins a lot better than blends. So mm-hmm. I do like our our gray dragon, which is a white tea that's it's got a little bit of a smoky note to it. And then I also like if if we had to go blend, I think the summer in Provence would be my second favorite tea mm-hmm. right now. It's a blend of black tea from Indonesia with lavender and like a lemon, Ooh. like a bergamot lemon combination. Oh, that sounds tasty. Mm-hmm. Was there anything about sourcing ingredients or when you visited the the different you know, places related to tea that surprised you about the tea process? I mean, I guess we talked about there being a steep learning curve. So maybe there's a lot of things, but anything that kind of stood out as you were like, wow, I didn't think that would be part of the tea process, or that's a really fascinating piece of the puzzle I hadn't considered as, you know, before coming. Well, I think whenever I travel, I always keep my, keep my ears open and keep my mouth shut. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of like, I, but really, no, I do keep my ears open and my eyes peeled and my mind open to learning and to hearing what other people have to say. Because oftentimes you can get stuck in your own little opinion in your own little world and then not realize, yeah, this is kind of cool what they're doing here. Or yeah, this this is so it's important to, to always be learning. And I think there isn't particularly one thing that surprised me, but just a lot of little things that I've learned and picked up along the way. Uh-huh. It, it was nice to, you know, when I go to China, I was intif- intimidated at first about the person sitting behind the tea table serving other people tea. And then short early on into the travel, they said, no, you don't have to be, you can just come sit back here. And then I had to serve them tea. <laughs> And I haven't didn't use a professional guy one at the time and didn't know. And they just said, just I'll show you, you just do it. Just do like this. And yeah, so it it broke. I I served people tea and kind of broke the ice a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That would really get a person out of the comfort zone to like switch the switch the table like that when it already felt kind of intimidating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any part of the process 
that I like to call it oddly satisfying maybe, or just some part of the process with either blending or you get a shipment in anything that you're, you're just like, or at your, at your tea farm now, like that's just your favorite part where you're like, oh, I love this piece of my work. Hmm. That's a good question. I haven't thought of that yet. Oddly satisfying. Sometimes little blending is a favorite of mine or sourcing. I should say sourcing mostly. Like if I can find a unique blend from someone that I don't think sells tea in the United States now and bring it in and successfully go through that process Uh of importing, then I kind of get a little bit oddly satisfied with that. Yeah. Like I like the thrill of the hunt, I guess. Yeah. No, I love that. That's super cool. What I was wondering if this doesn't specifically relate to anything, but I remember getting the, I think it's, is it the Ollie and Dingo's magic color changing? The Ollie and Dingo. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if I remember you telling me the story behind that tea at Tea Fest. And I was wondering if you would share the story about that tea and all all, uh, because it's so tasty and fun. And I loved the story about it. Yeah, we partnered with two clowns, I think, in Portland or I don't I don't know if what they're called clowns or if they're called something else, children's entertainers or whatever. Uh But yeah, they're uh, we partnered with two of them in Portland, Olive and Dingo, those are their names. Uh-huh. And they wanted something that would be fun and magical for children, the children that people any age could drink. And uh, so we found this um, tea that if you add um, lemon or citrus to it, it changes the color. Uh-huh. So from there, then we and then we developed a I de- developed a blend at charities we developed a blend and then worked through figuring out what was going to go in that blend and you know what the they wanted specific ingredients or tastes and how to get there so that was kind of the the story behind that tea uh-huh that's really cool and what makes it change the the color there's a certain type of flower right yeah it's the butterfly pea flower that is blue it's blue when, when initially steeped, and then when you add citrus, it kind of does this um, maroon purple color. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, how do you source, like, how do you source a uh, ingredient like that? Is that easy to find? Or I've seen sometimes that, that, that like, you know, some color changing teas, like, maybe don't use the actual flour. So how did you find the, you know, a source for that? A lot of searching online and then (laughs) um, you know I did go to different um, like there's shows that are not tea related but food related so I went to the fancy food show yeah which is a I don't know if you've heard of that show it's like a trade show for foods from all over the U.S. yeah and so I went to that a few times to try and find different suppliers for different things yeah interesting yeah I've been to fancy food hmm I think I've gone just myself once, but I've we've we go for for Live Bar and it's a fun show. All the different specialty foods and it's fun to walk around and try all different new things. Yeah, have they had it in the last since the pandemic, or has it been kind of? Mm, yeah, no, the last one I think was early 2020. They did the winter show, and then I think they might be trying to plan one later this year, but. Um, I think it's still very TBD whether they're going to be able to to do a, like a late summer 
show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I found a lot of um, cool stuff at that show. Yeah. Especially the summer one. I think it was a little bit bigger than the winter mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Before we go into kind of our last section, did you have anything else that you wanted to share or that we maybe missed that you particularly wanted to, to chat about? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of ground. Cool. So, yeah, our last section is tips and dregs, which, you know, you... Probably know more about the terms uh, than I do, but tea tips being sweetest and the dregs being kind of the grains left at the bottom of the cup. I like to kind of think like if your last, you know, week or few weeks, like what would be kind of a, a highlight or a tip? And then what would be something that was kind of like, eh, like that you're, you know, cool if it didn't happen again sort of thing. And we can go we can go back and forth on on our tips and dregs. OK, do you do you want to start or would you like me to? to kick it off. Why don't you kick it off just to, so I can get some ideas? Yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I was thinking about this this morning and I was thinking that my lately, like the tips, I feel like it's been a bunch of little, little, just simple things in life. We have a couple pieces of like rainbow sandstone from a local decorative rock place. And when it rains, it just like totally lights up the stone to look like a rainbow. And it just has all these oranges and purples and you know, it looks nice normally, but when it really rains, it's so shiny and so pretty. And like, I just don't want to step on it because it's the way that it shines. So that's just something that like brings me like just a little bit of joy. And then related to those, um, because we use them as a walkway, my littlest dog, she has started doing this thing where rather than walking around me on the walkway, like if I'm, if she's trying to get through, she walks right behind like so close behind me that her paws almost touch my shoes and then she walks behind me and then if I stop then she stops and so she it's like she's my shadow when I go walking around the yard in that one spot and then if I stop then she just won't she won't go any further and I'm like well you can walk around me like it's it's wide enough but it's funny she's just decided that she's got to shadow me on those steps and then her older sister actually steps on the back of my flip-flops uh, and tries to take my shoes off which also is kind of funny so yeah just those little moments where pets do something silly and little pretty moments after the rain I think those have just been kind of my my tips lately. Okay. I guess my similar, just that there's little joys all around. And I think you can choose to be happy in those little joys, or you can choose to ignore those little joys and Uh not, and be kind of not happy, I guess. I don't know if that's the right term, but yeah, you know, little joys all around are what have made this year and a half a lot better than what it could have been. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was good. It just saying that, you know, it help helps you get through it, right? Yeah. And I'm this last week or so, it was a joy to see my sister and her family and be with her kids. We haven't seen her in two years. And so that was for me that was wow. nice. And that is nice. So that's been my joy this week and last week. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And then let's see, dregs. So for me, this is it's a small thing, but it's silly. I'm growing strawberries for the first time. And I was so proud of myself. Like there was one strawberry and it grew and it was ripe and it was perfect. And I ate it and I was like, oh, 
This is just amazing. And there were three more that were almost ripe. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to wait a couple days. And I went back just the next morning to check on him. And something, I don't think it was our dogs. I think it was another creature had eaten the three strawberries. And I was like, no, my precious strawberries. So it was really silly, but I was really looking forward to those tiny strawberries that I'd grown because it was going to be my, you know, the four strawberries I'd ever grown and something else got to enjoy them. And that was kind of a bummer. <laughs> mm-hmm. The For me, I guess the, hmm, it's a hard one to find something this, this last two weeks because I've had a lot or last week or so had a lot of a lot more joys than dregs, I should say, tips. Yeah. Um, if you asked me a few, like a month ago, I was kind of getting tired, you know, it was getting tired of lockdowns and quarantines and, and all this, like I wasn't exposed, but somebody else I knew was exposed. So therefore I had to quarantine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, so it was nice to have a change of scenery by coming here. So, yeah, 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 for sure. I think those times of isolation and everything have been super hard for, for everyone and getting to come out of those is definitely a mm-hmm. joyful experience. Yeah. So I, so this last week or so I've had a lot more tips and good times than bad. So that's good. Yeah, no, that's really good. Well, I, Really enjoyed chatting with you. I love to talk about tea and I've had you on my list because I love the charities blends. Like I mentioned, I'm drinking some right now. And yeah, I've just I've wanted to ask you a lot of these questions for a long time. So I'm so glad that you came on and were willing to chat with me and share about your journey. I I think it was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks for joining today, strangers. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. The tea consumed on today's episode is a strawberry oolong. It's a blend by Charity at Charities, and it's just delightful actual strawberry pieces in it. It's tasty and refreshing. There's also a rhubarb oolong that I love that is not similar in taste, but similar in the freshness and fruitiness. And both are just a delightful way to start your day. If you like today's episode, please like, subscribe, share, support us on Patreon, whatever you would like to do to help continue to see more content from Iroh's Corner. In the words of Uncle Iroh, While it is always best to believe in oneself, a little help from others can be a great blessing. Did you hear that? He's definitely drinking tea and thinking about five-star reviews. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach out on any of our social media accounts or hello at iroscorner.com. See you next time, strangers. Strangers.